Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. In 1871, Horatio Spafford and his wife Anna had five children. That year, one of their children died from pneumonia. A few months later, the great Chicago fire came and went through the town and destroyed their business. In 1873, Horatio Spafford and his wife Anna and their four remaining children were going on a cross-Atlantic cruise to France. At the last moment, Horatio had to stay behind for some business things, so sent the wife, his wife and their four children on ahead. As the uh, steamer was crossing the Atlantic, it collided with a Scottish ship and sank. All four of Horatio Spafford and Anna's remaining children died. In the two years, they had lost all of their children. After this event, Horatio Spafford and his wife got back on a cruiser and told the captain to tell them the spot that their children had passed away so that they could be together and pray together. As they did, and they crossed the Atlantic, the the captain said, this is the spot where your four remaining children died. And in a moment of inspiration, he wrote the words to the song that you just sang. He wrote, when when sorrows like sea billows roll, it is well with my soul. I don't know what you have come here today with, but I know that the only hope is in Christ Jesus and the believers in Christ Jesus being able to sing out, problems will come, but I know that I will be in heaven for an eternity with my children and I will get to see them again. And until that day, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is well with my soul. My prayer today is that you can sing those words and mean them. Let's do that one more time. It is well. It is well. With my soul. we thank you today, God, that we can rest assured in our relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that it is well with our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we end up the first half of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is six chapters. The first three we are ending up today with. The first three are theology and prayer, uh, emphasis heavy. The next three we will do in uh, starting in January. And so we're going to break in the middle of those to talk about our building initiative over the next few days. But we end up today with this great idea of teaching prayer. Paul is going to give us two verses today that teach prayer. I'm often amazed at how Jesus' disciples saw him. 
think about it. Jesus' disciples saw him preach to thousands. And he, as he preached the day on, the crowd would grow and, and continue to get bigger. But his disciples didn't say, Father, teach us how to preach. Jesus healed people. Sometimes vast crowds, sometimes just one person in a crowd. But his disciples didn't say, Jesus, teach us how to heal. Jesus helped people. He fed them. He, he uh, did, did uh, things that helped them along the way. But his disciples never said, Jesus, teach us how to help people. Instead, they understood the power of all of those. And his disciples said, teach us how to pray. Because it's through prayer that all of this preaching, that all of this healing, that all of this helping it founds its, finds its foundation. And so today we're going to look at two verses that help teach an overarching idea of how to pray, how to pray together. And so I want us to read those verses today, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, and we're going to read them together out loud. So I want you to stand back up. Now, some of you, you're like, well, we just sat down. I get it, all right? So it's a little bit more calisthenic-y today. So, all right? So, and we're going to read these two verses together out loud with enthusiasm. Here we go. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Good job. You may be seated. So these two verses right here are on the end of a pastoral prayer and teach us ideas about prayer. And it starts out with this. It says, now to him. So first idea that I want you to come with is that salvation is our foundation. Your prayer life ought to be founded in the fact that you are saved by Jesus Christ. Who is the hymn that we're praying to? The Bible says in verse 14, just a few verses before, I kneel before the Father in heaven. Who are we praying to? We're praying to God the Father. He is our heavenly Father. And so if you have salvation in Jesus Christ, that is the foundation for you to have a prayer life with Him. So I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to find out and to experience salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't have salvation today, does God still hear you? I think He does because God knows everything. But the, the, the way that prayer works is between a father and son, a father and daughter. It's a relational aspect in which we pray. So I have a really good relationship with my dad. He's way up in the panhandle, so we don't see each other as much. But we talk to each other pretty regularly on the phone. And so if, if I've got something going on, if I have something funny that happens, uh, especially something funny that, you know, like I can't tell just anyone, uh, I call my dad. I tell, I mean, I got this funny story. Let me tell you, right? And I tell my dad a funny story. Uh, if things are really stressing me out at River Valley and I need to just verbally process through those things, well, I have to be careful in how I do that. I call my dad. And I tell, man, this is what's going on because I don't have to have a filter. I don't have to, to wonder how he's taking it. Man, I know he's got my interest. So I, I call him all the time. I've had to, on more than one occasion as an adult, call my dad and ask for help financially. 
man, where something came up that was unexpected, and we need help financially, and, and, and he always does that. My, my dad is great because he's, he's retired, so whenever I call, I don't have to wait till he's off work. I call, and he answers right away. Listen, if the phone rings three times with my dad, I'm like, oh, no, he's dead. I mean, you're, you're just like, what's going on? He's like, I'm sorry. I was like, dude, you can't do that, man. I mean, you, you know, like, I thought maybe the second coming happened, and I missed it. I mean, you got to answer the phone. Man, I have this relationship with my dad where he answers, where he speaks, and it's wonderful. Sometimes it's just fun. Sometimes it's need. Sometimes it's, I always call him when I have prayer requests because he prays for me right on the phone, and then I know he prays for uh, me or the situation afterwards. He prays many times for you. Here's what's great about a relationship with my dad, though. It's not always me calling him. Guess what? Sometimes he calls me. What are you doing? I got a great story. Sometimes he calls me. You know what he did this summer? My dad is retired, so they RV all over the place. He called me from Colorado. He was like, I was like, what's the temperature there? I was like, it's 140 million degrees. And he's like, it's 60 here. And I just hung up the phone. I don't need to hear that mess. I don't need that. All right? You just go and RV your life away. That's fine. That's fine. But it's this relationship. It's the same way with God. You can call him. Now to him, the Father, your heavenly Father, you can call him. Man, you share prayer requests. You share things you need. Sometimes you just share enjoyment of something that's gone on. Like, I got to tell you a great story. I got to tell you something funny that happened. I got to, and you, you, and then guess what? He calls you. I've got a word for you, son. I've got a word for you, daughter. I've got, I've got something you need to know. And it's this relational aspect. We start in this salvation relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, that he has uh, a love for us, a relationship with us. How does this work? Just a chapter before Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this, for it is by grace through faith that you have been saved. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. The Bible says that we begin this salvation relationship with the Father by grace, that He just gives us what we can't earn or learn. He gives us a relationship with Him, and that we don't earn it, and we don't brag about it. It's just given to us. We believe that that relationship is through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, was resurrected on the third day. So today, you can start this relationship. If you don't have this, I want you right where you are. I want to give you that opportunity because I want the rest of the sermon about prayer to apply to you today as well. Not just you need to get saved, but now that you're saved, guess what else happens? So I'm going to invite you right where you are to bow your heads for just a moment. If you've never had a salvation relationship with Jesus Christ, think about that word, salvation, saved. It's this idea of rescue. It's this idea of taking your sins away. Today, you can pray to have Jesus come into your life right where you are, dear Jesus. Save me from my sins through your death on the cross. Pray to him, God, I believe that you died for me and that you were raised on the third day. God, I ask you for grace. I can't earn this. I can't learn this. Just give me salvation, God, I ask humbly. And I thank you for your gift. Amen. 
So salvation is what the foundation of all of our prayer life is, but that's not all it is. Now let's go on. It says, the verse says, now to him who is able. So we have a salvation relationship with the father, but secondly, we believe he is able. So faith is the beginning. A true, vibrant prayer life begins with this idea that God is able. I have faith in you, God, that you can do something great, that you can do even more than I can do. If not, why are we praying to him? Why don't we just do it? God is able, and we have this faith, and you ought to come with this idea of faith in any situation. Maybe it's just that he cares for you. He wants to hear from you. Maybe it's that he's all-powerful, all-able. I have a great story about that, that that lines up with my illustrations so far with my dad. My dad graduated in 1969 from a small town in West Texas, moved to Dallas, Texas, and got a job at Sears and Roebuck. So he was there, and my dad said, I worked in the back, and he said the, the owner came in one day and said, somebody bought a lawnmower, I need you to get this lawnmower out, out to the, the, the car. And so my dad said the, the lawnmower was packed in a crate. So he said, I went to get the crate and tried to lift it, and he said, I couldn't move it. I, I, he said, I was so heavy that I couldn't move it. I'm sure he said it's so heavy just so I knew. You know, I was strong, but this was really heavy. So that's what he said. So, so he said him and another guy had to get on each side of the crate. But even then, he said it's not like they just lifted and carried it out. They were kind of scooting it and moving it a little at a time all the way from the back through the front of the store. And there was a pickup there with the tailgate down. And uh, the owner said, load it up. My dad said, we got it right in front of the tailgate, but now we need to lift it into the, the back of the pickup truck. He said, me and this other guy could not get it into the back of the pickup truck. So he said, we were sitting there thinking like, how are we going to do, what are we going to do? They couldn't lift it up. At that time, the man who bought it came out of the store and saw that sitting there and says, oh, thanks guys, I got it. Grabbed both sides by himself, lifted it, and put it in the back of the tailgate. Like they said, they were just sitting there like, you are kidding me. He said, it didn't even feel like a strain. How were you able to do that? And he said, then we looked at him and this is who it was. Bob Lilly, number 74. Now, if you are not a Dallas Cowboys fan, repent immediately. All right, but, but let me tell you who this is. The very first person to ever be drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, the very first person to ever be inducted into the Ring of Honor, 11 Pro Bowl seasons. Bob Lilly was called Mr. Cowboy. He was in the College Football Hall of Fame, the Professional Football Hall of Fame. The NFL elected him to the 100 team, the 100 best players of the first century of football, he was pretty good. All right, so he is six foot five, 265 pounds. You need to know all these stats. I wrote them down. All right, so it's important. All right, you need to know Ephesians 3.20 and this. All right, and here's one thing you need to know, which I know for sure because my dad witnessed it. He could lift a lawnmower by himself into the back of a car. That's powerful. He was six foot five, 265. My dad said it was unbelievable to watch him do that. God is able. What you cannot do, God can do. And you need to approach faith in that way, or approach prayer with faith in that way, that you're not praying to an impotent God who maybe can finagle a few things to get it done. He's able. But then he says he's able to do all, write down the word all. 
I bet you've never thought about Bob Lilly and wondered, does he have a good singing voice? You probably haven't, had you? You think, man, he's Mr. Cowboy, he's Mr. Football, but can he carry a tune? I don't know. I don't know at all. Maybe he can, but is he neat? Does he keep a neat house? I don't know. Can he do math? I don't know. We know that he's good, as far as I know, I know he's good in one area. He's really strong, he's really good in football, but this verse says God is able to do all, all. So he's not just powerful, God is knowledgeable. He knows what is going on. God is wise. Not only does he know what's going on, but he knows what to be able to do to fix those problems. God is powerful. He is able to fix those problems or do those things. God is everything. He is all in this situation. And just so there's no confusion, Paul goes on to tell the church at Ephesus, not only is God able and all that, that kind of signifies like, yeah, there's a challenge and I can meet it. He is above all, above all. Some, some translations have the word abundantly. So it's not as if he can do this much. It's that no matter what challenge is brought before him, all the challenges, he is above all of those. He's, he's so much bigger. And then it says he's even beyond those. Even the things that you're not thinking about, he's beyond those. Some, some verses have the word exceedingly so when you pray to God, pray in faith because you are praying to someone who is exceedingly, abundantly above and beyond and able in all situations you bring. We pray in faith to that God who is able to do all and cares about us and really and truly wants to hear from us in our prayer life. But you've got to go in faith. You've got to pray in faith that this God really is all of these things and so much more. He's above and beyond anything. And then he says, any even anything, not just that you can ask, but you can imagine. This is the part that kind of uh, trips me up, honestly, because when I'm praying, I don't know about you, but I ask very specific prayers because sometimes I think God's not doing his job right. I think, you know what, God, here's what you need to do. And I give God counsel. And I'm sure God's out there going, writing it down, going, oh, this is good, Cody. I never thought about this. Yeah, it's, it's the way I pray. Like, I, I pray really specific prayers in really specific ways. But God, this verse says, no, 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 I ask. And then even things that I can't imagine. Let me tell you something. You will begin to have faith prayers when you are way out on the edge I mean, you are way out on the limb, and you are looking over at this huge precipice, and you are thinking to yourself, you know what? I can't even give you any counsel, God. I can't even tell you what to do. Like, I know I've got a problem, and I've got this huge chasm that I cannot get by, but I can't even say, maybe you'll try this, maybe you'll try this, but I am trusting you in faith that even when I can't imagine an outcome, you can you are able so much more. Now, two ways he describes this that I think are important for note takers, write down the word instant and process. Instant and process. God is able, boom, in an instant. 
I mean, he can literally, the Bible says he spoke the universe into existence. He didn't work it up. I mean, just the words of his mouth formed the universe and everything that is in it. It's an instantaneous prayer. It's, it's a, a miracle that happens. It's something that just comes down and everybody's like, whoa, God just showed up. He is able to do that in an instant. But... He also, the Bible says, who, whose power works in us. That's a process. That's a process word. See, God can say, you know what? I can make it just fall from heaven and happen, but I can also do it over a period of time in a process with you. So I'm often praying, you know, God, do this thing, especially with River Valley, grow us, help us to reach people and all that. And God said, no, no, I want to do a process in you because I want to raise you up. To be a, a, a man of God. I want to I raise you up in your leadership. I want to raise you up, Cody, in your faith. So I'm going to do those things, but I'm going to do them God's power in us, the verse says. I'm going to work and I'm going to make this over and over, a little more, a little more. And God can answer it. He can answer it in one or the other or a combination, which he often does. That's what we think we will see uh, within our new uh, building initiative. So for those of you who haven't signed up, listen, I want you to be a part of what God is doing. I'm going to give you lots of good information, and I'm going to give you some big faith prayers tonight. You're going to get some insider information of River Valley, what's going on, how we're growing, all of the things. I've got some cool things that I'm going to show you uh, from what's happening in our town, in our community. I showed them to the, as soon as I got uh, this information from a friend of mine, I showed them to the staff the other day, and they were all like, oh my gosh, it was so cool. So I want you to be a part of that. So sign up. Uh, as soon as we're done, you can get on your phone and, and sign up uh, for uh, one of our meetings, or you can go right outside these doors and do that, because God's going to do some cool things, and it's a great illustration for what we're doing for to sign up for the next four days for our uh, vision nights. So number three, glory is the goal. When we pray, God's glory is the goal that we are shooting for. The Bible says he is able to do all that we can ask or imagine for his glory. For the glory of God is why we should pray. It is okay to ask for things for yourself. He, he, he compares it to a dad relationship. But you ought to think about if you're talking to your dad and you share that last name, like, I want to glorify your name, Father. That, so every prayer request needs to be thought through the spiritual aspects. And everything is spiritual. Man, God, we need money. God, we need resources. God, we need it. Like, what are the spiritual aspects? And we've got to pray for those so that God will move. So that's not just about us. So here's how this works. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Really, really helpful verses to know how to do this. So the first one, just leave this right here. You do not have, why? Because you don't ask. The Bible says what we just read, that he is able of what we ask or even imagine. You need to ask. There is something powerful about laying your request before God, especially when you're like, I'm scared to death to even say this. I'm, like, it, it, it frightens me to say this in front of you, God, because if you don't do it, the, the, our mind starts wondering, what if it doesn't happen? What, you know, and all that. And I'm going to ask. He is like a father who wants us to ask. So you do need to lay your request before God. And many of you are, like, there's very specific ways. Well, why aren't sometimes we seeing God move in those ways? Verse 3 says, 
that you ask, but you don't receive. Why? Because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask so that you may spend all of it on your own pleasures. Now, is God against our own pleasures? No, absolutely not, as long as they're founded in Christ Jesus. But many times, all of our prayer requests are just God, take me out of this problem because I don't like to deal with it. God, give me this because it'll make me feel good. There is no spiritual component. There's no God's glory component in anything that we say. It's all about us. You're treating God like this great Santa Claus in the sky. Just give me, give me, give me. And God says, look, you're like, you're my son or my daughter. I want to give you, but I want to make sure that you understand that the goal of prayer is my glory, that people will know me, that people will wonder about my, my magnificent name. Make sure that every single one of your prayer requests has that aspect of God's glory within it. And then how does it work? He says, now to him, his God's glory in the church. You get to see the magnificence of God every Sunday morning. We see God's glory in this place. We see God unfold who he is. The huge majority of time that God has spoken to me away from my own prayer closet has been in a corporate worship setting just like this. Those are the two places that God speaks to me, that his glory is revealed uh, almost exclusively in my life. Very seldom is it driving down the road or just thinking about a day. It's almost always in those two places. You get to see God's glory in the church. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God is doing. Like, I'm going to show you tonight some of the ways that God is uh, moving within our church. And it's, it's amazing to me. Like, it's, it's, uh, I put all these numbers together, put all these things together. And I just, I can't tell you how many times I stopped it. I was like, God, thank you. It's amazing. When you're living in it, sometimes you don't feel it as much as when you take a step back and look at it in a different perspective of just being in the middle. God's glory is happening in River Valley. It's such a wonderful place to be a part of. Let's glorify his name in our prayer request. Every single thing that you're like, here's how this is going to help. Here's how this glory is going to unfold. And then in the church, we're going to pray this morning for our church that his glory would be more and more known. Number four, we pray the reason is, is the eternity. Eternity is the reason that we pray. The Bible says, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. So I'm praying from now to eternity. I'm praying for this generation. I am praying for the next generation and every successive generation that comes after that until Jesus comes back. And then I'm praying for eternity to be glorified in what happens in our time left on earth, whether that be that I die or Jesus comes back. So you're, it's this idea of an eternal significant type of prayer. Pray big prayers that impact eternity. Pray for the successive generations. If you have children, man, you're praying for them, regardless of how uh, old they are. In our case, we're praying for our grandchildren. We don't have grandchildren yet. Neither one of our children are married. So we don't have grandchildren, but we're praying, God, God, give us grandchildren. We're praying. Uh, one of the great ideas that I love about River Valley is the idea of generational Christianity. What if God doesn't come back for another thousand years? Well, then, God, I pray that successive generations would 
hold the faith closely for themselves and pass it on to the next generation. And that as I die and go to heaven, that I will meet great, great, great grandchildren. And they will have loved and served Jesus well. God, pray for the generations that come. Pray within our church for the generations. Uh, I worship in the first service. You guys always see me just come in and out. Uh, I worship. The first service is my service because I give my best to the Lord. So I'm most awake. I'm most, you know, active. So I, I worship all the way through uh, just like you guys. And that's my service. So second service, I, I just preach and I try to do some other things. So this morning I was over uh, in our children's ministry and seeing all. Man, it's so cool. I'm going to get to show you some things tonight about that as well. And God is doing some great things. I love it. I love, I love seeing our, our, our kids over there. We're praying for that, and you're praying over them. Pray for that for each successive generation. And then what? Pray for their salvation forever and ever. You and I will spend an eternity in one place. Pray that we would spend an eternity with Jesus. This prayer ends up how most of our prayers end up with the word, amen. Amen. If you've never thought about that, you probably think, amen is saying to God, well, I got to go and hanging up the phone. Like you're like, if I don't, if I don't end it, it's just going to go on forever. Right? So like prayer is, is amen is the last word, but that's, that's really not what it is. Amen is a Hebrew word. It's a direct Hebrew word. It's taken directly from Hebrew and it means two things. It can mean certainly. In other words, you're not just saying amen, the prayer is over. You're saying in faith, certainly this is going to happen. I am declaring even in the close of my prayer, faith to you, God, certainly you can do this. Certainly you care. Certainly you are powerful over this situation. Certainly you are sovereign God, and I give my will to you. Certainly, God, amen. It can also be, let it be so. The idea here is that, God, I am done praying. I'm going to go about my day. This has been a prayer time, but I know that you are continuing to work. God, let this be so. I am praying in faith that even when I am not praying that you are working, even when I am sleeping, God, you are not. Even when I am out of money, God, you own everything and your resources never end. Let it be so, God. Let it be so. Let it be so. You're not when you pray amen saying that's all there is. You are saying, God, I pray to you in certainty in faith that you can move heaven and earth. God, I am praying let it be so and believing that you hear my prayer prayers. You believe in me. You, you, you trust and you, you look at me and you know me. And I am saying, God, let it be so. Do something great today. Let's pray that way today. I'm going to invite you right where you are to bow your heads and let's pray through this prayer. Now to him. Some of you were just saved a few minutes ago. But you can already begin this great idea of praising God the Father for your salvation. Praise God the Father that you have a relationship with Him. Some of you have been saved a year, two years, decades, multiple decades. Praise God. Thank you for being a father. What are the good aspects of a father that you know? That they care? They listen, they comfort, they help, they
I encourage. Praise God for all of those and anything else that comes to your mind of a good father. Now to the father. Who is able declare to God today. Don't ask him just yet. We're getting there. But declare to God today in any situation that you know you're going to ask, declare to him in faith that you are able. God, you are able even more than I can imagine you can do. You're able. God, you are abundantly, exceedingly, you are above and beyond able. Let your heart rise up in faith that you are praying to a world changer, God. Who is powerful and strong. All that we can ask. Pray big prayers. It's okay to ask your father for for needs. But pray for the glory of his son in this request. As you bring your request right now to God, where does Jesus fit into those? How can he be glorified? How are your motives translated? Just acknowledge your motives is what I do in this situation. Just don't like, I know this would benefit me XYZ. Even if it's just because I'd feel better. I, I wouldn't worry anymore. Whatever it is. Acknowledge that in this moment. It's okay. But tell him. And then ask him, show me how God can be glorified here. Maybe it's that he changes everything in an instant. And everybody knows it's a miracle. Maybe that he changes me in a process. And everybody sees spiritual growth. Pray for God's glory in our church. Start tonight and for the, these next four days as we have vision meetings. Pray that we would catch a glimpse of how good God has been to our church and we would want to be participants in that. A lot of people are kind of last minute and they're, they're oh, I don't know if I'll go. Well, he's going to ask us for money tonight. No. Is he going to, you know, what's going to... Pray that people would sign up today. I want you to hear these words. It's important. I'm asking you. So pray for people. Sign up today. God, show us your glory of what you're doing and how we can participate. Throughout all generations, if you have children, grandchildren, regardless of their age, man, pray over their life and situations. Pray for God's glory. Don't just pray for them to not suffer. We tend to do that because we, we, we don't like them hurting. Pray for God's glory in these situations. Pray for the eternal aspects of it forever and ever. Who is it that you are praying for that needs a relationship with Jesus Christ? your friends, your family, your co-workers and your neighbors 
for them. God, I want to see them in eternity. Pray for generational Christianity. That if the Lord tarries, that you would see even unknown generations behind you in heaven. That one generation would pass to the next in faithfulness. Finally, I'm going to say the word, but the prayer's not over. Pray amen. Pray it with conviction. Certainly, God, you are working. Absolutely, you are able. With fortitude and faith, I believe that you are changing the situation. God, I pray amen. Pray amen. Let it be so. Move, shake, God, this situation. I am praying, amen, not to end the prayer, but as a stamp of my faith in you, the God that is exceedingly, abundantly, above all. You are the sovereign of the universe, and we love you. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.